Mind Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and today's episode is sponsored by KB's Car Care on 321 North Main Street, Jonesville, South Carolina. They offer hand car wash, vacuum, and clean interior. Full detail is also available. While you wait on your vehicle, customer seating is available as well as the dining area. They open Tuesday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., so make sure you stop by. Floor covers, this episode is also sponsored by Floor Covers International on 1460. Emmy Road and Welford, South Carolina. So thank you, Ms. Janet Rosman, for also being the sponsor of this episode. And today, we have another special guest with us on the Cross the Line podcast, Self-Investment Tour. We're in Fort Lauderdale. I wanted to make sure we didn't call it Miami. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, yeah, we're in Fort Lauderdale right now. And we have a very successful entrepreneur with us. He's the owner of Dungeon Ford, yep. Mr. David Castro. How you doing? No, I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you having y'all, man. Yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate the, y'all taking a drive from, from Miami. It's not too far. Yeah, it's not it's, too far, man. It, but it's, it's what we call it. This is what it's for, man. We call yeah. it the self-investment tour. Like I said, we just, you know, invested in ourselves right. um, with the help of some sponsors as well. Put up, okay. Put up our own money. And we just wanted to hit the road and travel to places we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And this is actually my second time actually getting on a plane. We did our first tour last year, and we went to Jacksonville. Right. We flew to Jacksonville. So this year. Your second time ever being on a plane. First, second time ever being on a plane. How was that? Uh, it was cool until I lost, they lost my luggage. Oh, okay, Before okay. Before then, it was, it was Everything right. good. Everything but I, I get a little bit nervous, like, sometimes if I feel like jumping a little bit, yeah, little, yeah. like, man, why is it shaking like that? <laughs> but other than that, That's it, crazy, it wasn't man. too bad. But the first time, man, we, we ended up um, being late for our flight. Mm-hmm. So we had to wait for maybe about four or five hours. Yeah. And then this time right here, we ended up. They ended up losing their luggage. Yeah. So that's why I was trying to, well, I appreciate you for taking the time to kind of like working with us. Yeah, no problem, man. We wanted to make sure we had all the equipment and everything to uh, make this interview possible and make it successful. But it was just like, man, my first two flights already, I missed one. And then this one, they lost my luggage. Right. You're going to be a pro after this one. Yeah, I hope so. Life happens, though. Yeah, but we we appreciate you taking the time again. You know, this is mm-hmm. for the people watching it. I know they looking at me like, man, he wearing a hat because I never wore a hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you in the dungeon today, so yeah, you got to be crowned. Man, I love it. Yeah. Man. I actually feel like a I feel like a uh, draft pick, first round pick. Man. Yeah, I yeah. Got a hat on, there you earrings go. in. I got my watch on. <laughs> I feel like a I feel like a draft pick, man. But but I really appreciate it, man. I, I love the hats, man. They're very creative. We were looking at it when we first came in. No, I appreciate it. But uh, starting out. Dungeon Ford, um, can you tell us how long have you actually been in business? Yeah, so the parent company is Complex Apparel. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started a parent company in 2007. Uh, Dungeon Ford was an epiphany moment that I had in 2009, 2010. And so we've been working on that brand since then. Um, but we weren't, it wasn't always headwear. So it was initially it was tees, shorts, and, and full ensemble. And it wasn't until around like 2015 that I decided to scale back and focus holistically on the crown. Mm-hmm. And the main reason was, um, one, like, we bootstrapped this business. So all money that's invested, is, is there's no external funds that came into this business. It's, it's been step-by-step, step, slow growth, right? Maintain 100% equity. And in doing that, when you, do it, when you try to shoot your shot all over the place, you end up, like, spreading yourself too thin. And what I realized was there was an opportunity in headwear where people weren't really focusing on that. It was always an afterthought for a multitude of brands. And for me, it was the crown of the outfit. I decided to make, to make the move to 100% solely focus on headwear for a period of time until, you know, eventually expanding into full, full ensemble again. So what, what's the actual meaning of, like, the name? Dungeon, Dungeon Forward? Yeah. All right. So it's basically to highlight ambition, right? 
and it's also a mix of my life story. So think of it like from the dungeon forward or from nothing to something, right? You start, it, like ideas for me start in this space where nobody can even experience them, right? And I feel like it would be tragic if I didn't move those ideas forward into actual space where people can touch and feel and it's tangible for them to deal with. But on top of that, like my life has been one where I've always constantly been striving, ambitious, and, and, and striving within my ambitions to build a better life for my family. And so Dungeon Forward encompasses that in two words, like from the dungeon forward. Mm. Like no matter what, you can start in the dungeon, but every step from that moment is forward. You get what I'm saying? So when you, when you talk about your family and everything, uh, yeah. I know you said growing, I think you, you said you were born in Fayetteville? Yeah, I was born how, in Fayetteville. How long did you uh, live there? Oh man, so I think uh, so. I moved around. I'm an army brat. Okay. So I was in Fort Bragg. I was born uh, at Walmack Hospital. If y'all, if y'all familiar, and um, I went. I stayed there up until I want to say. Uh, actually, I went to preschool in Hawaii. Mm. So we moved. Went to preschool in Hawaii. Went to started kindergarten in Hawaii. Moved back to uh, Fayetteville, did kindergarten through uh, the, the beginning of fifth grade. But every single year, it was a different school because I was moving around that much. And then so we, we finally ended up settling on Florida uh, while I was in the fifth grade. I went to three schools that year. So I always had to be versatile anyway, mm -hmm. like in meeting people, networking, et cetera, just simply because I never really had that base. And we didn't. We didn't have like Facebook and all that stuff to really maintain connections with friends from back, from back then like they do now. Like you could move about and still maintain connections with your people now. Back then it really wasn't possible if you didn't have somebody's phone number or you couldn't remember their last name. And when you in grade school, you don't remember anybody's last name. But um, we moved down to Florida. I finished up school here um, and I was living in West Palm at okay. the time, yeah. So I know you say you were an armored brat, but, but where did you, feel like you got that, that bug from it like far as like entrepreneurship and creativity. Mm. Um, did you have anybody in your family that you were aware of that was somewhat of an entrepreneur or what, what did you think Man. you got it from? So I, I mean I've always I've always been an entrepreneur to a degree. Like I was the dude in school that was selling candy. You know, I was always figuring out a way to do something to make money. Even if it was like to do chores to make some money for my parents. Mm -hmm. Like I always thought that there was a way that you could use your skill set to bring in some level of income, right? No matter what it was, independently of a job. And, um, but I do have a cousin, uh, his name is Frankie, who uh, I met at one of my um, other family members' funeral for the very first time. And he is a tailor. And so he can, I mean, he can make anything from scratch. And I, I definitely think that that influenced me to a degree. Um, like seeing, because he was wearing an outfit. At the time, he was wearing a denim outfit, full denim. I think they called it like a farmer suit. And uh, it was, at the time, there was like this shimmered denim that was hot for a little moment, and then it went away, thankfully, really quickly. And But I thought it was dope when he had it. And I was like, man, where you get that? He was like, oh, I made it. I'm like, you made it? And, you know, I knew my mom. She sold. But I had never met a guy. I never met a dude that sold, right? Mm -hmm. And so, again, you know, I thought it was something for women and, you know, the, you know, gender rules and stuff and biases like that. Back then, you're like, okay, now nah, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. Right. But when I saw him do it, I was like, okay, maybe that's something that I could do. 
didn't do anything at the time. I was still young, but I know that I know that it stuck with me and eventually influenced me to go that route. But as far as like entrepreneurship is concerned, most of the people in my family went the job route. Like right. I'm I'm somewhat of an anomaly to have left the corporate world and be focusing holistically on Dungeon Ford. Why do you think, you know, we hear about a lot of successful people as well, like, you know, a lot of times, sometimes they struggle with school and they're not interested, but uh-huh. for some reason, entrepreneurship, they just thrive in it. But why do you think that, that happens that way as far as, like, entrepreneurship where, like, it's somewhat it's like, like we were talking about earlier, it's kind of like we don't talk about it in school. It's like yeah. almost like it's kind of frowned upon. It's like we always talk to to go work for somebody else. Uh-huh. Why do you think that is in that case where a lot of people, entrepreneurs, become successful and sometimes they may not, school may not be for them in certain situations? Mm. I mean, I, so I did go to school. Mm-hmm. You know, I graduated from FAM um, with an architecture degree okay. and I went to University of Miami to get my master's in architecture. Um, and I'm, I'm a proponent of college, but at right. the same time, I agree with you in the sense that they don't really teach you entrepreneurship. They don't teach you money management. You know, it, it's it's wild to me that like you can't get a business loan, but you could get a hundred some thousand dollars in a in a school loan. That's that seems that ass, that, that seems ass backwards because yep. if you don't really have an opportunity to pay for it on the back end, then you're putting yourself in a, in, in more of a bind than you would if you were building a business, right? And so, I personally I think entrepreneurship is a calling, like it's something where you you can be the person that goes to school like myself that works in a corporate structure, that's successful in that space, but still be empty on the inside because you know they're getting 25% of what you're capable of. And because you're spending that time with them, giving them that 25%, you're not, you're not using that, that 75% at all, right? And so you're not even really exploring what you could potentially do for yourself. And I found myself in that predicament, you know, before I left the corporate structure. I was, I was building medical centers for uh, a health insurance company and I was killing it like top performer top everything like moving up on executive track but with every promotion it just felt more empty mm-hmm. it was just like you know what I don't I don't know why I'm here like this is not giving me any fulfillment and every day that I'm at work I'm just really looking forward to getting back to Dungeon Ford and so at one point I just had to make the decision like what am I afraid of you know, I have all of these credentials on the back end. If I want to go back and dive in and get a job, I could do that at a later date. But you're not, you're not always going to have the energy to pursue something that's an anomaly, that's, a, that's a, you know, off, the, off the beaten path. Like, when you're 50 years old and you've never, you've never tried to do something entrepreneurial, you're not, I'm not, well, let me not say that you're not, but it's less likely that you have the energy to really power drive through some of the challenges that come with entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and it's just like it's, it's kind of like that culture of like we just like you said i, I fell into the same cycle like i was telling you, just getting up and just going to work and yeah yeah you picking up a paycheck you paying bills you great credit everything mm-hmm. like you say you still feel empty inside mm-hmm. it's like man it's just like i'm just doing this i'm just going through the motions yeah. every single day and it's just like man we just i'll i'll tell anybody just go for what you want to do man like you said it, nothing's guaranteed anyway it don't matter if you're working at a major fortune 500 company or you have your own like we all got to leave here anyway mm-hmm. and it just it's just something for me personally just feeling more fulfilled like you know doing something that you love doing and you're right. invested in it and it's your own but like i said if you talk to most people and you if you talk to the average person you tell them, man all they're doing is working paying bills yeah. first thing to say man this that's life welcome to the real world that's just yeah. how it is yeah like most people like you say they never take their chance to just step out and really 
really do what they want to do. Mm. But for you, what would you say was it like a, any particular moment where you said like, like I know you say you didn't, you felt empty, but what was that you knew it was like okay now it's really time to like leave. Oh man, so like, so at my last job, this is it definitely is a moment, right? And uh, there was a point in time where I knew that there were people that I was working with that that took issue with my quality of work. Not saying that my quality of work was bad, but they took issue with how good I was consistently able to deliver because it was almost challenging what they had done prior to me arriving, right? And so I knew this, right? And sometimes I would play into it even just because it was funny to me. But at the same time, when you have folks that work within an entity that have been there for a significant period of time, they tend to have influence on some other, on people that might be up in higher ranks. And so while my performance was amazing, right? There were little nuanced items that I would be approached about that had nothing to do with work. So there was, there was one specific period of time where my boss, who I had a great relationship with, came to me and he was like, David, you know, I hate, I hate to even have this conversation with you right now, but I have to because you're going to be talking to my leader and X, 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 X. I was like, all right, what's up? He said, so I heard you've been working from a, a co-work space, right? Now, the space that I was working from that was like our office, right? I didn't, I didn't have really too many interactions with the people that were in that office. And we didn't have Wi-Fi. So I said, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to pay for sessions to go to this spot. They got a little coffee bar. And I'm going to work from there. Same type of environment, just more suiting to me. Right. I, was, I was able to do more work, you be more efficient. More exactly. And my boss at the time, he knew that, right? So when he came to me, he's like, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I told him I didn't know. I said, it's okay. Don't worry about it. What's the next one, right? So he says, well, the second one, I'm not sure why this even matters, but I heard you bought a drone. And at this point, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? A drone? I don't even understand what the relevance is of this, right? And so apparently, like somebody I work with who, I don't know, has had some issue. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it was, right? It was somebody that didn't really have a pedigree that kind of like worked out the mailroom and, you know, that type of stuff. And I came in with this background and it just it just made them feel uncomfortable but this person went be, went behind me and was oh yeah he's working in an executive suite he bought this drone to take pictures of his construction projects so that they can so that he can then take business elsewhere so to me i'm dying laughing on the inside because i'm like what you don't know is i do have a full-fledged business on the side of this but you are completely wrong about what it is right you have absolutely no idea what it is but the fact that y'all mentioned to this mention this to me, knowing that I'm the best performer in this group means that there's a cultural issue, right? And the fact that I have to respond to it is like, this is beneath me at this point. Like, I'm not, why do I even have to have this conversation when I'm killing the work that I'm doing? Right. And so I turn in my resignation letter, epic resignation letter, right? Like I highlight all the issues with the company, everything, right? And I tell my manager, I said, listen, I want you to promise to me that you're going to give this to your leader exactly as it is. He's like, David, I don't know if I want you to do that. He's like, you might, you might put yourself in a predicament where you might not be able to re-enter your workspace. I said, that's not my concern, right? My concern is there are a lot of issues within this space, and if they continue to go, y'all not going to go anywhere. You're not going mm -hmm. to prevail at all of these challenges that already exist. So I'm going to cut the story short. They convinced me to stay, right? Uh, I leave. That weekend, I came back. I had added more stuff to my resignation. And he asked, then he finally asked me, like, would you consider working on a different team? I was like, yeah, what are you thinking? So I go and I work on a team that was focused on innovation. Kill it. 
on that team again. But then at the same time, now I'm no longer really committed to this to this company at all. Before I was, right? Mm-hmm. But at, once I hit that wall, I'm like, okay, there's a cultural difference here. I'm already an entrepreneur at this point. I, I'm gonna figure out a way that I could move and focus on this. So for about, say maybe like eight months, I stuck it out and kind of like stacked and planned and stacked and planned. And I was like, I planned on exiting in that, that November because there were some options that were vesting. I got to September, it was my 35th birthday. I said, there's no way I'm, there's no way I'm going into my birthday with this job. I'm quitting. Called my wife. I told her, hey, listen, I'm making an exit. You got, she was working at the time, so our insurance was going to be maintained. And I was just like, I believe I could do it. And she was like, I believe it. And so I made, I made that jump and haven't looked back since. I want to get back to the business shortly. But yeah. Talking about that culture, like, it's, it's always something like it's amazing with these stories. Like we hear it all the time, even with yeah. like, the article with ESPN Label. With, I'm not sure if you heard about Maria Taylor with the NBA Finals coverage and all that. No, nah, I haven't. It's just, it's long story short, is uh, another employee there. Um, uh-huh. she's, not, she's a white lady, Rachel mm-hmm. Nichols. And uh, basically, the same thing where she didn't want Rachel, uh, Maria Taylor, black lady, covering uh, the Finals in a certain aspect. She wanted to kind of do like the sideline instead of being like the main okay. host and moderator. Okay. So basically like those kind of stories like mm-hmm. with the culture change, like they, yeah. a lot of people were pushing back and talking about how ESPN has that culture change where you can move up to a certain level but you can't do certain things oh, and yeah. all that type of stuff like that and crashing. Yeah. But it's, and it's like for so long they've been trying to push off those and not just them, it's like a lot of major corporations, they try to push off that, about those culture issues. Why do you mm-hmm. think that hinders a lot of companies as well because they, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to like race, racial issues, diversity, and all those type of mm-hmm. things, it's like those kind of things like that. Like you were allu- maybe, maybe you were alluding to it as well. It's like mm-hmm. those type of things kind of hurt those companies. Mm-hmm. So I think I think with me, so I wasn't alluding to like a racist, okay. right? Be- because I, d- I don't I don't think that would be a company wide thing. So the leader of my organization was a previous mentor of mine, mm-hmm. right? Uh, black guy, right? And uh, and so. All the people that I'm talking about were beneath him, mm-hmm. right? But I didn't really communicate with him directly about this. Like, I, because I already kind of knew where my direction was going. And, and the people that, that this was happening with was, were irrelevant to my, to my regular life. Like, okay. they, you only exist with power in this, in this workspace. Like, you don't have any influence on my regular life. But at the same time, I'm not about to deal with y'all foolishness here. And I'm not about to wait for something to happen for me not to have to deal with it. So I'm right. just I'm just make my my own decision and figure out my destiny on my own, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there was one saying that I've heard, if you don't like your boss, fire your boss, right? The only way to fire your boss is get a new gig. Right. My new gig just happened to be 100% working on my own mm-hmm. uh, 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 business. But um, I do think that a lot, of, a lot of companies miss the mark because they try to look at diversity like only quantitatively, right? Like, okay, we need this many type, this type of people here, we need this many type of people here, this many type of people here. Now, why that works in some ways, because you want there to be a, uh, a multitude of opinions, right? Mm-hmm. Both men, women, and people of all um, ethnic backgrounds, because they can discover things that might be issues, right? Like that Gucci incident that happened where they had that sweater that was like, like you know, how, could y- how could y'all even how could this even hit the market? Yeah. Well, it was designed by a Frenchman who doesn't even really, who, who may or may not even understand U.S. 
race the culture, yeah, the culture history, yeah. right, and the history, right. So while he's while he's doing that, and I'm not I'm not gonna excuse it because I don't know if he know I don't know if he doesn't. Mm -hmm. But if there was somebody black in that room, that would have never hit the market. They would have been like, oh wait 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 no 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 we can't do this right. At least if they had the gumption to make that to make right. that call. And I think the other place where they missed the mark is not truly diving in to understand one another, right? Because where issues happen in the workplace, it's not it's not always from like the CEO. You got forty thousand people working for a company, a major a major company. Like those issues are going to happen in those individual sections of the business, like in. And they're not that difficult to discover. It's just people don't like being inconvenienced by discovering those things. And that's why, like, the way that I run this space is, is it's always going to be an opportunity for you grow, to grow. It's just a matter of whether or not you want it or not. Are you going to raise your hand? Because sometimes people will sit in a row and they keep their mouth shut. They just sit in the back, kind of get, their, get, get, their, get their work done and leave, right? Maybe they're not scared to work scared to speak up maybe they don't know that they should mm -hmm. but closed mouth don't get fed right mm -hmm. and so if you never say hey i want to do more then the person that is managing you nine times out of ten won't give you that opportunity mm -hmm. now granted in my space we're small business it's always going to be opportunity it's always going to be something for you to do it's just a matter of are you willing to learn are you willing to expand your mindset? And are you are you willing to sometimes take some time on your own to figure things out that you don't know in the workplace? Because you can't always learn in office, you know? But yeah, man, as far as diversity is concerned, if companies do not make that a priority for themselves, like eventually it's gonna hurt them because the United States is only getting browner and browner, you know? So. I want to go back to you when you said you when you when you left the job was it uh -huh. um, so you didn't have any fear at all when you left or was it any of course <laughs> of course and how how was it that that starting phase okay quit your job and then uh, you go all in like how was that that uh, official phase of like in the early days of just going all in with your business uh I so and was the name changed to Dungeon Four then after you quit or what? no 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 it's been Dungeon Four since two thousand ten. Of the brand, the 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 entity, the the uh, umbrella company is still the same name, okay. still Complex Apparel. That's who pays the bills, and okay. and Dungeon Ford is a trademark brand underneath Complex Complex Apparel. But um, I'm scared now. You know what I mean? That's that's what keeps me going. Like I don't I, I'm nowhere near complacent. Like all the bills got to get paid, you know, and everybody has to get paid before I do, because that's my commitment to them, you know, and so. I feel like if you get comfortable, that's when that's when things falter. And the beautiful thing about taking that jump is your back is against the wall, right? And when you're against the ropes, there's only one way to get out of them ropes. Either you do a rope adult, which that's not really the way. You fight your way out, right? And so every day, that's what that's what I'm doing. Like it's it's a boxing match every day. I look at our numbers every day. I look at it both from a creative aspect, like what are we doing creatively? to really intrigue the people that rock with the brand? And then what are we doing from a statistical standpoint to make sure that we maintain the sales value that we need to maintain to keep the business going? Do you study any other apparel company to see what they're doing and what you can do? Or do you kind of focus strictly mm. on, on the things that you, uh, what you guys are doing? So I, got, I, I definitely got my finger on the pulse of the industry as a whole, 
mm-hmm. right? I think that's only responsible, right? You have to do that. But I'm insular. I, I, don't, I don't feel like Dungeon Ford has um, a specific competitor, right? Because of the way that we approach what we do. You know, headwear for a very long period of time has been the afterthought, right? It's, it's the thing, like you find, you finish your outfit and you're like, okay, what can I top this off with, right? And normally, like it might be something that's like associated with a team, or it might be something that, I mean, that, nine times out of 10, that's what it is. Like, where are you from? Okay, I'm from Miami. I'm gonna wear a Marlins hat. I'm gonna wear a Dolphins hat. I'm gonna wear a Heat hat, right? But for me, I felt like there was so much more opportunity for both storytelling and innovation within the space. And so right now, I feel like we're still in a moment where we occupy a space that damn near nobody really is occupying. And so it's up to us to spread awareness as fast as possible before people kind of catch on to what we're doing. Because like I said, when I saw the hats, I was like, these are creative. When, I, when we talked earlier about how, about how I found you guys, yeah. I think the first person I actually seen was... Um, we call them crowns, by the way. Crowns, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Crowns. No, no, you good, you good. But, uh, we know what it is ultimately, but that's Chad was the first one that yeah. I saw with the crown. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's when I, I think he tagged you guys or some kind yeah. of. Yeah. And then I went into looking into it. And I was like, man, I, I love you. These are just different. It's not like you said, yeah. like the same thing with like from, like from this area of Miami, Dolphins, Florida, Marlins, those right. type of things. It was just something different. But I, I just love the creativity that you guys have behind everything. Put your own spin to mm-hmm. it. Or something but like you said, it is important to kind of like keep a pulse yeah. on what you're doing. But it's not like you want to say, "Hey, I like what they're doing. Let me take it and just copy, imitate." Nah, it. yeah. That's. I mean, I feel like that's not artistry. You know, like people that do that are just not creatives. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, like Chad, Chad has a, a affinity toward for uh, FAMU. Like he has a family member that went to FAMU, and he went to a lot of FAMU homecomings. He just loves FAMU. So when he goes onto the podcast. He loves to wear FAMU uh, affiliated apparel, right? Mm-hmm. And so he got, we had reached out to him some time ago, and then he got word of what, what we had launched at that point in time. And he hit us up on Instagram and was like, yo, I need to wear this on I Am Athlete. And I was like, bet that up. At the time, he was in Tampa. Uh, he, he was like, I'm coming back. I think it was the following day. And, uh, and he texted me. And so when he, when he came back, he hit me up. He was like, I'm on my way back. I'm going to be at the crib. So we ended up meeting at, at uh, Bahama Breeze for lunch. And so I brought, I brought a couple things, gave it to him. I didn't expect him to pay for it. He tried to pay for it, right? And I was just like, nah, don't worry about it. And so while I was there, I had ordered lunch for my wife and myself, and he picked up the tab for that. I mean, that's, he a stand-up guy. You know, like even the conversation was a stand-up conversation. And, uh, and I, you know, I know a lot of people probably have their opinions, but I'm just basing it on my – on my my interaction with him and uh and it was a, a positive one so salute to that but it was dope to see him on the on the podcast and then after that um it was one other dude on the podcast that ended up wearing one of our shirts too talk about i want to let you i want to let you talk about this well like when i just said hat and you said crown talk about yeah. the importance of, of using crown because like nine times out of ten the majority of people yeah gonna go around and say hat yeah hat. and we don't take we don't take any offense to that mm-hmm. by the way but it's it's because of the amount of thought that goes into the headwear that we create. So when you think about, when, when, when I hear somebody hat, right, I automatically think about something that has a logo slapped on it, right? And it's it's not too much thought invested in the, in the concept of that hat. It's more utility. Like I need a hat to block the sun. Mm-hmm. I, need a, I need a hat, something quick that matches the same color as my outfit. But 
there's a level of intentionality that goes into the work that we do. Like, I want to inspire you. I want to educate you. I want to make you feel like what you're wearing on your head is something that aligns with who you are as a person, right? And I'd say 80% of the time we hit the mark on that, right? 20% of the time, like, we're creating uh, uh, headwear that, that we know that you'll be attracted to you. Attracted to, I call it fishing, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm, like, putting out this bait. And the bait might be something that you're familiar with. But as soon as I reel you in on that bait, you, you get exposed to the real of what Dungeon 4 it is, like from the Dungeon 4, like the things that align with that mantra. And so that's why we call it crowns, because there's, there's intent, there's detail, there's, there's a level of, 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 of finesse in some of those details where you might not even recognize them for a period of time. And then you hit us up a month later, like, oh, I just looked at the inside. I didn't even realize this was there, right. you know? And so that's what makes it a crown. That's, and that's why we ourselves call them crowns because we put our work on a pedestal. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, like what I would say is power in your words as well. Yeah, like those things exactly. And, like, and, and that value. So that, that's something I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad you corrected me on that yeah. as well because, it, like I said, it's value and it shows like, and for me, I never want to shortchange anybody's work because I know how hard it is as an entrepreneur and the work that you put in. Mm -hmm. So you definitely want to let people know you value and appreciate their work. So mm -hmm. crowns, for people watching, this this is a crown that I have on, on my head right now with that. And yeah. Mr. Catro has on his head as well. But um, for you, what would you say is the hardest part of, of running a business? Um, it's figuring out what you need to focus on in the exact moment that it needs to be focused on. So, like, every day there's a million things to do, right? Like, we, we just signed a deal with Nickelodeon, right? Wow. And there was a period. No, appreciate it. It's a uh, and it's a two it's a two year deal. I, I haven't even announced it publicly on our own feed, but it's a, it's it's done. Ink is signed, and, and we're gonna be working with them. And so, as a component of that, like we had to make a decision on okay, what assets are we gonna work with within that within that space, right? Assets meaning like some of their like commercial properties. So think of it like a SpongeBob, Garfield, like all of those different things. And so that means that now time is ticking, right? This is a two this is a two year deal, but you have all of these conflicting obligations that you have to work on adjacent to making sure you're getting something that complies or that that is that is dungeon forward at its soul but that also is representative of the brand that you're that you're collaborating with right mm -hmm. and you have to develop that within a timely manner while you also got to file your taxes you got to work on trademark you got to do some copywriting you got to get packages out you got to uh make sure your lease is, is straight you got to fix the ac you know, you got fixed leaks in the back. In the back. And so you always have all of these all different things that are overlapping and figuring out what to focus on in the moment is one of the hardest things. And then also making sure you got a, a live-work balance. I have a daughter, you know, and I, like, I took yesterday off because I had been away. You know, I was working. I go to the beach every morning, 5, 5.30 in the morning, I catch the sunrise every single day. It's a new habit of mine, and it's probably one of the best things I've ever done in my life because it starts you off centered yourself right. you know what i mean and in doing that sometimes i, I work for, i go out there for two hours i come back i'm changing my clothes i kick it with my daughter for a little bit i come to work well on wednesday we had a photo shoot so work was longer it was extended right i leave i end up leaving around eight o'clock go home and then i have to help uh, i i told somebody i would help them do some marketing in miami 
So I go, I go to the crib and I catch an Uber. I catch an Uber so I can sleep in the Uber on the way down, right? Expensive ass Uber. When I get back to the crib, it's like 2 a.m., but I'm not gonna miss going to the beach the next morning at 5.30. So I wake up 5.30, I go to the beach, I come home, I'm exhausted. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to work because if I go to work, I'm going to come home, I'm going to sleep, and my daughter's not going to experience me that day. And so I had to make a decision on the fly. Like, let me cancel my meetings and focus on this. And so that's always the most difficult thing. Like, where is the hierarchy of needs? You know, my daughter's at the top. I don't give a shit. I close all this shit down for her. But beyond that, there's also her, the legacy I want to leave for her. So there's a, there's a balance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a balance with my availability, my time, and then making sure that she's good when I'm gone, right. you know? I think that's one of the toughest things as well, like you said. Mm. With balance, of course, you take care of your family. You gotta, of course, mm. you need to take care of yourself. Because if you're not good on, with yourself, then how can mm-hmm. you do anything else? Mm-hmm. But, man, that's one of the things I, I, I struggle with as well, you know, for me. is just, you know, with just taking on so many things and even just planning interviews. I want to make sure we have this set up. But then also I'm thinking ahead, like, okay, what's next when we get back home? Yeah. Because I know we got to go back to Atlanta. We got to go to California. And, and you, you got to find some time to edit. Yeah, got to find time to edit. And then mm-hmm. on, at the same time, like, I have three kids. So yeah. you know, my son is on the cover of the book with me. So right. It's just hard because sometimes I know what we're doing is a grind. And, like, me taking flights and driving all over the place, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm missing that time with them as well. And I know yeah. they don't really, they don't care about anything. They just want to be with daddy. That's yeah. all they want. Yeah, they so, don't, they'll never comprehend what it is that you're actually trying to do for right. them. At least not at this stage. And then for me also, it's like, man, I'm doing all this, but then I think about my partner Calvin as well. So, mm-hmm. man, I'm, I appreciate him because he's investing in everything that we're doing, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I'm pulling him away from mm-hmm. his family as well. Yeah. So it's like, man, not. It's, that's the toughest part for me because, you know, trying to balance everything with work and your family and yeah. pulling somebody else away from their family. Yeah. For, for me, that's one of the hardest parts. But I know it's like, like I said, that kids, they don't really understand it. Yeah. But, you know, long term, it's like, what do you want to leave for them? Man? That's that's one of the things I want to make sure. It's like, I don't want them to feel like it's okay to settle. Yeah. Just don't settle and get comfortable. Cause nah. I just saw, like I, t- like I said over and over in, in these interviews, I just saw my parents just get up and go to work for somebody else. Right. So when, when you see those things, it's kind of like, that's reality. That's what life is. You just yeah. get up and go to work for somebody else. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, no, I'm just determined to like show them like it's okay to invest in yourself. And, and one day, you know, I showed, we went to the beach yesterday and I FaceTimed them and I showed them the beach. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to take y'all to the beach, you know, make sure they know, you know, right. one, of these, one of these trips, daddy going to bring y'all with them. Yeah. It's, it's, Family and their work-life balance is one of those toughest things. 100%. For, for 100%. Entrepreneur. And you mentioned, you mentioned like, your parents, like, just waking up, going to work, and coming home, and that's what you saw. Like, for me, like, one of the things that I realize is that there's always opportunity behind discomfort, right? The more you move towards discomfort and tension, the more you become, like, who you are supposed to be, mm-hmm. right? So, like, if you, like, there's a lot of people that won't start, Right? They'll plan, 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 plan. They'll tell you what they want to do. They'll tell you what they're going to do. But you never see action. The main reason you don't see action is fear, right? Every single person that breaks through that, like, barrier of fear, I tell you, I don't care if they fail, right? It's never a failure because you've shattered something that was mental, that was metaphysical it wasn't even there it wasn't real you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and you realize that on a 
on the back end of you look back and you're like, damn, why didn't I do this? Like, why didn't I just try? Now I know that this don't work, but I realize that this works. Mm-hmm. And I can shoot in that direction and pivot or whatever it might be. But I think our parents, and to, to some degree, not their fault, you know? Like, they're, we're, we're talking about, you know, only a few generational gaps between people being enslaved, because I don't like to use the term being slaves, mm-hmm. uh, because it takes away the responsibility of the part of the party that enslaved them, which is they're the bad person, right? Mm-hmm. But then you have our great-grandparents, right, who may have witnessed some of that, at least sharecropping, then our grandparents and our parents, right? Yeah. That's only three generations, bro. But the dopest part about that is like where we're at right now. And when you look at that and adjacent to the counterparts that had our people enslaved, there's many instances where we're lapping them multiple times. You know, and that that just goes to say a lot about our culture and, and what black excellence is. And it's like the more that you reach inside yourself and realize how excellent you are and, and what you've been blessed with as a black human being, like you will realize that there is absolutely nothing that is unattainable, right? Absolutely. Even outside of like, you know, work and entrepreneurship. I mean, maybe it's just a place that you want to see or a person that you want to meet. It's always possible. Always. Like mm-hmm. I, I really a hundred percent believe that because I've seen it. Like I've experienced it. You know what I mean? And it's so important. Two two things I, I took away from that was so yeah. important. Like it actually two things happened this this past week. Mm-hmm. This past week, when you talk about getting started with something, somebody asked me, reached out to me and said, "Hey, how do you? I've been thinking about doing a podcast for a long time. Um, right? What, and they were asking me some of the tips about some of the things that I've done. I'm like, honestly, man, I just when I first started, I just had a laptop and I used to take it to place to place and interview different business owners. That's how I started. Mm-hmm. But I, the most important thing I told them, whatever you do. Just get started. Yeah. I said, it's not going to be perfect. Just get yeah. started. And you'll figure out things along the way. But I said, procrastination kills everything. 100%. And when you when you do something like this, like, when you do something you want to do, the people that are, that reach out to you because they're looking up to you, like, you're inspiring them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's amazing. Like, I, this was just a couple of days ago, and I posted it online. Um, never met this guy a day in my life. Don't even know who he is. But I'm thankful that he reached out to me. But he, he left a note from my website. He sent an email. He's like, man, I just appreciate what you did. I want to thank you for it because the, the interview he was referring to was with Dr. Lakeisha Harmon. Who owns oh, the yeah, the Village Market yeah. uh, in uh, Atlanta. In Atlanta, yeah. yeah. We, we interviewed her about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And he was like, man, I think that was a powerful interview. I want Me and my wife want to thank you because you use your platform and you allow her to speak and share her, her vision. He was like, man, we love what you're doing and keep on going. And it's like those things right there. You never know what will happen. Like right. these things don't happen if you don't. You know, if you don't reach out and you try, you yeah, try. So uh, like the main thing is you just have to get started. And like when I interview these people, man, I, I just tell them, hey, my first thing is like I made sure I had a solid body of work because mm-hmm. I I, had, I didn't just pop out doing this for me. I, I was doing broadcasting in college. Yeah. Um. So I had the chance to cover professional sports like the Hornets, the Panthers. I did all kind of high school sports and everything. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I knew this was something I wanted to do. But the main thing is, like I said, back to something else you said, open your mouth. Mm-hmm. Close mouth don't get fed. I had to, you know, reach out to people um, and I had to let them know what I was doing when I was in college and everything. But mm-hmm. the main thing, like you said, was just get started. Because if you don't, man, you're just going to be stuck. That's stuck it. In the rut. That's it. But I, I want to ask you something else. For, for Dungeon Ford, when did you feel like that moment was for you where you were like, okay, 
our business is going to sustain. Like you just mentioned, like with Nickelodeon. Yeah. Um, but when did you know, like, okay, my business is going to be here for the long run? Like, I know it's going to, it's going to be, it's, it's going to stay. Ah man, I, I don't think you ever really know. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, because I, I feel like that kind of goes back to the to to the to point I made about complacency, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I have confidence in in, the, in my capabilities, right? I have confidence in the work that we do, and I have confidence in the ability to notice like a, a a trend, like let's say we're trending down in sales and we need to make some adjustments. Like even even just this this past um, month, right? There was a, there was a change in the way that um, Facebook can interact with iOS 14. And there's a, a, a lot more privacy and you have to opt into um, certain analytics and, and that impacts the types of ads that you can be served that are more relevant to you, right? As a result of that, right, the lack of the ability to access that algorithm on these, on these iPhones limits the effectiveness of ads that you run on Facebook, right? Simple as that. So we saw, we saw a decline, right? And so now every day it's like action, like, okay, Let's let's try a different strategy. Let's try a different strategy. It's fun because you have moments where it's like, oh shit, this shit working, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have moments like yesterday where it's like, yo, who 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 got the magnifying glass on us today? You know, like right. this is a, this is a, a like at fifty percent of what we should have brought in today, right? But that's on a on a day to day basis, every day. And so like Mike Mike sees it. Um, and you got y'all can't see him, but he, he works with us for fulfillment. But he sees it directly because he's working with the packages, right? That are going out, and we're all talking about it on a regular basis. Like, okay, what's moving? Because if that's moving, then maybe we need to throw some ads behind that. But ultimately, like, you never know, right? And so, I have confidence. I I have confidence in the ability to figure it out, right? I can't say that what we're doing now will work five years from now. It won't. I know it can't, there's no possibility that it will work five years from now, but you do things to prepare, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that, we do, that we're doing is we're developing like a fan base, right? The way you do that is you talk directly to your people, right? And so that's why we have less interest in getting into retailers. Even though we have a relationship with retailers, it's not like our favorite space because we're not having direct dialogue with our consumers. Mm-hmm. Now, with the, you know more people being comfortable with e-commerce, you've talked to them directly, but they're also submitting their information to you, so you can reach back out to them, right? And you could send things, you could send things to them that are relevant to them. And if they've interacted with you before and they're satisfied by it, they love it, they talk about it, they post about it, then you know that the likelihood that they might come back next year is pretty high. And so that's what the focus is: is on this lifetime relationship with the people that rock with the brand. You know? And we talk about like being. Complacency and, and mm-hmm. things like that, not being complacent. Signing a deal like that with Nickelodeon, mm-hmm. do you feel like any of those deals just keeps adding more and more pressure? And especially like those big corporations, you know, big companies like that, is it mm. more added pressure? Um, so I think anytime like you you want to get through a door, like you're not really aware of like what's behind it, right? So I remember like when I was in college, I was like, man, I really want. I saw people leaving and they got these jobs where they travel. I was like, man, I really want a job that sends me places, right, where I get to travel. And what I didn't realize was, like, I should have been more specific, right, because I got a gig and then I traveled a couple times, but I'm traveling to, like, these BS areas, like, where nobody wants to go, you know what I mean? And um, I think, like, the dopest spot that I ended up going to 
was uh, Geneva, Switzerland, right? That was probably the coolest place I got to travel. Before that, I got to travel for a period of time to Charlotte, which I really love that city. And, um, and but in, in that, what I realized was I wanted something because I saw it, but I didn't really understand why I wanted it. And then I realized that this is really super inconvenient, right? Like this is crazy inconvenient. And so like with the deals that I make with companies like Nickelodeon, we just had a deal with Airheads. The, the most difficult part of that is relinquishing a level of control, right? Of uh, not necessarily creative control because they, they chose to work with us because of our creativity. But net, what I create, right, needs now requires approval. Whereas like if it's if it's in-house and it has nothing to do with any other entity, there's no approval required. Yeah, it's just me. There's no approval required. There's no like back and forth no give and take and so that is a different type of work right and so i just have to realize myself that i can only i can only do like one or two of those at a time because i one i don't like to be confined like i don't i don't want my creativity to be confined at all so like even in choosing a partnership we have some of those discussions up front like you know what what level of flexibility are we going to have is this going to be a true collaboration is this more like a licensing structure like it all all of those things matter, right? And and with Nickelodeon, I really love the way that they allow us to be us within their space. And like our rep Becky, she uh, we we did a launch for a campaign that we did called Art Black with four artists: uh, Melissa Mitchell out of Atlanta, uh, Chuck Styles out of Philly. Melissa Mitchell, she does like the the color, like hair hair. Um, yeah. So we did a we did a collaboration with her. Yeah, yeah, that's the homie. Um, Chuck Styles out of Philly, X Pain out of uh, Tennessee and another artist down here, Miami Nate. And, uh, and that was called Art Block, right? And so when we launched that, we did a video launch live. And so Becky, who's my rep from, from uh, Nickelodeon, when I talked to her after that, she was like elated. She was like, oh, I was on the live. I was like, I know him, da, 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 all this stuff. And like, to me, I was like, we go back to the, to the discussion about culture. I was like, she's for the culture. She gets it, right? So I'm down for this, for this, uh, this collaboration because I feel like we're gonna be able to be true to the culture. Like we're not gonna be watered down, and so that's why I really was like, okay, I accept this one. But that's something that us as creatives, like you can't just go after every opportunity because every every single one of them is not gonna be a fulfilling one. You're gonna feel kind of, you might feel a little bit empty on the back end of that, and I've experienced that too. How, how important is that to have that to to keep that for one sense of control of like ownership in mm -hmm. a sense and also that freedom to to of that creativity because a lot of times you know some some people you know yeah this is it might be a big opportunity but mm -hmm. like you say you lose that a lot of that freedom and that and a lot of the ownership that you have to go by their book yeah how important is that and a lot of times like for a lot of our company a lot of businesses mm -hmm. we build it up a certain way and then we sell it but how important yeah. is that to maintain that ownership and creativity i mean so I'm I'm an artist before I'm a businessman, right? And so if somebody was going to be in, if somebody was going to invest in Dungeon Four, which we're not looking for investors, but let's say we we got on the market, we got our books like really pristine, and like started shopping like investors, right? The reason that I just would never want to do that is because of what I'll call like an absolution of business, right? It means you go where the dollars go only, right? right, right. 
And so there's business moves that I can make right now that I know would be lucrative. In, but they're in spaces I'm uninterested in, right? So it wouldn't be authentic. It wouldn't really be who we are, you know? It would, it would be like faking it, you know what I mean? Right. And and so for me, I feel like beyond creativity, authenticity is the most important thing to a business because if you're building a fan base, there are fans because of who the like what the brand represents. Absolutely. And if you change that on a dime for a dollar, right? Then you ultimately you, you might make that money temporarily, but you're shitting on all of the people that really rock with who you were. Mm-hmm. And so you can't you can't get these like dollar signs in your eyes when you see an opportunity that just doesn't align with who you are. And so I I refuse to take anything that doesn't align with who I am. And also because that's why I quit my job. I quit my job to do what I want when I want, right? Mm-hmm. Not not necessarily be a multimillionaire, right? Not necessarily to to like have major partnerships or anything like that but to be within my purpose and to do it in a way that's fulfilling to me right Right. and if and if you come and you join the team i want that same feeling for you right i want you to feel that i want you to have to take ownership in the work that we do here because eventually i'm i hope to bring you up to where i am you know what i'm saying so it's easy for me because I know that I'm not going to I'm I'm not going to deviate, right? Like that's just not going to happen. Like if you don't align with what I do, I'm not going to deviate and work with you. Now, what I will say is there've been times where I've done that on accident where you get not dollar signs in your eyes, but it's an it's a new opportunity, right? And we had one I'm not going to mention what it is, but by the time it was done, I was like, "Man, I don't know if I should have did that. Like, I don't know if that really was us, right? We made it us, but I I look back on it and I was like, that might have been a weird decision, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're gonna those things happen, but as much as I'm conscious of it, it won't. What do you What do you say? You get more a lot of your inspiration from with the pieces of work that you, you mm-hmm. guys create. What would you say your Man, inspiration it's from? All over, it's all over. You you ever see the movie Slumdog Millionaire? I haven't seen. It. I've right. heard of him. It's been out for a while. It's been out for a minute. Yeah. But Slumdog Millionaire, the reason he's he's on like uh, Mumbai or India's version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, mm-hmm. right? And at the very end of it, or like throughout the duration of the movie, it's his life experiences that are informing his answers to the questions, right? And they show all of his life experience. And I mean, it's, it's amazing the way that they document this, mm-hmm. right? But for me... Like, in the way that I design, I always think about Slumdog Millionaire because, like, my life experiences have a huge influence on the things that I choose to design about. So you, you'll always see, like, a heavy emphasis on black civil rights, like, on civil rights, I should say, but the black experience in civil rights. You'll see a heavy emphasis on that in, in some of, like, even our copy, like, what we're talking about, right? But at the same time, although we're a black-owned company, we create for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And so you'll see other cultures represented, right? But I tend to adhere to the things I'm most familiar with, right? right. So I'm, I'm familiar with where my people are from, right? Uh, I'm Puerto Rican and black. My father's Puerto Rican, my mother's black, right? But I was raised with the black side of my family, so I identify more as black, even though my last name is Castro and I go by Castro, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a wild dichotomy, right? But, I, but 
in that, I take those cultural experiences and I infuse them to the work that we do. And then I, I tend to go on tangents outside of that, right? So we, we had designed a, uh, a Port-au-Prince hat for, for Haiti, right? I'm not from Haiti, but I dove deep into what Haiti was about, you know? I dove deep into the idea of what it is to, to, to have a real revolution within your own country, the idea that that's the only black country that overthrew its government, right? Mm-hmm. And so now they have, of course, they have a lot of things going on politically right now, but I felt like that was a powerful statement, no matter who you were, right? right? And that's where I get the most inspiration. So anytime that I could infuse like something like laser focused, it's, it, the designs always come out that much more intense, like, and more personal, you know what I mean? I want to talk to you about, you know, support. We had this conversation a lot where we're from, and then we talking about a little bit um, before we started the interview. Mm-hmm. About owning, I mean, I mean, not ownership, uh, having support. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel like your support system was, and like, um, um, when you started your business, like, did you, did, were you looking for that support from close friends and family? Because a lot of times those people may be like, yeah, I'm gonna support what you're doing, man. I'm gonna go get it, get your, get your crowns and everything mm-hmm. that you're doing. And then a lot of times when you, your product is ready, those yeah. are the people that don't. Know. <laughs> it, happens, it happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, I can't say that, right? I can't. I, my, my, my people supported me for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, I, you know, people are only going to take you as serious as you take yourself, mm-hmm. right? And so when you are creating something and you, if you try to panhandle it to somebody in a way that makes them uncomfortable, you really can't expect them to support you, right? Right. But if you throw everything you got at what you're creating and you do something meaningful, people are going to be inspired, right? And when people are inspired, they spend their money with you. And um, I think you need to, I think people need not focus on the negative aspect of like the person that sits next to them all the time, not spending their money with them because you don't really know what their predicament is. Mm-hmm. They might not be able to afford what you got, right? right. And, uh, and I know that that's happened with me at times because I've, I've encountered people at pop-ups and it might be a little kid that wants a hat and I see their parents and I see them like looking in their wallet counting and it's like, I know what this is and I know this kid is going to be disappointed. You know what? Fuck it. Here. Right? And just give it to him. And, it, and, it's, not, and it's not even outside. Like, I look at it sometimes like buying somebody a drink. You know? Mm-hmm. Like if I go out, we go out to the bar or something like, I'll buy you a drink, right? Let's say it's $8, $15 or whatever, right? At the end of the day, for me, it's cost of goods, right? And so in those moments, I'm an empathetic person and I see what that is and I know what that is. I've been there, right? Mm-hmm. I got my first pair of Jordans at like 26, you know? Mm-hmm. Probably even later because when I was younger, I just really didn't have bread like that. And so... I'm probably navigating myself away from the away, away from the original question, um, which was it's just about because uh, <laughs> I'm rambling. That support, well, yeah. You looking for that support, from yeah. Both so I I was, but more so in the sense of like telling me I'm on the right track, like. Mm-hmm. And I I remember I did a family and friends investment package, right, trying to get people to invest in in me, and there was one person, Tigo Dorsey, who's a mentor of mine now. Um, I I, I called him on Father's Day, you know, and my I, I mean. I talked to my dad and father, but this is somebody that also had a, a significant influence on me. 
And um, and I remember he came to my my house at the time, and uh, he came with his daughter, or or I don't know if he came with both, but he came he came to my house. He came with a check. And he was like, "Here, man, I appreciate what you're doing." And it was two it was like two hundred fifty dollars or something like that. But this is very early on, like, and we were looking for we were looking to raise probably about ten grand from a bunch of people. And uh, when he came and did that, I never forgot it. Right? I never forgot. It. I remember later at a later date. Like I, I created, we're in the same fraternity, we're both Q's. And I created a, a, a crown for the Q's called the Resolute. And I remember he, he kept hitting me, he was like, yo, what's the link, what's the link? I wouldn't give it to him, right? And the reason was, cause I knew when I saw him, I was gonna bless him with it, right? Because when I went to him to try to pay him back, he's like, I don't, I don't need that. He's like, I'm just, I'm just happy to see you kept doing it. I'm happy to see you kept at it. And so while I, I could say like, maybe I wasn't, looking for support i was definitely appreciative when it came and i'm still appreciative like at the very beginning i knew everybody that was buying something i look at the manifest i'm like oh that's my dog that's my dog oh that's the homie that's the homie that's the homie that's the homie and then your aspiration shifts to being like man i can't wait till the day that i don't know anybody that day's now i don't know nobody like nine times out of ten i mean every now and then i see somebody's name on there i'm like oh okay i think i know who that is but Nah, it didn't be anybody. But it's good that you yeah. stay true to what you were doing. Like you say, you got that support. And that's, I got. I, I tell this story a lot as well about, you mm-hmm. know, when people see you doing something that you want to do and you, you're fully invested in it, they, they don't mind helping you. That's yeah. Like the microphones and all this equipment that we have. Like, yeah. Um, that was a gift from my brother and my best friends. And, and mm-hmm. that was a part of the reason why I was down about this interview and just mm-hmm. coming down here yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like, I really wasn't in the, even in the mood because I was like, man, I don't have the equipment. Yeah, I don't yeah. have the equipment. And I was like, yeah. the main thing is like, just let them find it. Like, yeah. I, I don't want the stuff that they invested in me with to be just going just go, go, Yeah, And I, that's the main reason I was down. And I was like, man, let's, if we can we can do the interview, but let's, if we can just wait until right. we get everything, man, it makes it just so much better. But it's, it's one of those things, like I always say too, is when you invest in it, people will just pour into you. And your yeah. Family. And when they see that you're doing something, positive man like, 100% they don't mind they don't mind helping or even like you said sometimes people you don't even know will just 100% bless you with, with anything yeah like just just because you're doing something positive and it's gonna make a difference we had a guy um his name is uh if I if I'm correct I think his name is Alex Lopez right and uh we we saw an order come in it was like $1,500 right uh of crowns and it was a I believe it's the largest order that was a non-wholesale order that can, that's ever come through, right? It might have even been more than that. I can't remember exactly, right? So we see this, we're like, man, who is this, right? Like, that's about everything we got, right? That's crazy. That's, I mean, that's fire. And I looked at the man, I looked at the orders, and it wasn't his first order. So he kind of like tested the waters a little bit, and then came back and bought, a, bought something else. And so one day somebody hits us on the Dungeon Ford Instagram. I don't know who this is, right? And I'm just rapping with him in the DMs. Like, oh man, I love what y'all doing, whatever. And I'm just, we're just going back and forth. I was like, no, I appreciate the support. I can't remember the entire conversation, but at the end of it, he was like, yo, I'm the dude that just spent $1,500. And of course, of course we knew who that was, right? Of course, like, cause that just doesn't happen every day. I mean, we get, you know, four or $500 orders, but like, that's a, that's major, you know? And, um, and at the interview, he's like, yo, man, I appreciate you hollering at me. Like, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to cop more, right? And then he mm-hmm. asked me, he was like, 
we had some some crowns that were sold out on the site and he was like you wouldn't have to have these laying around now granted like sometimes we keep one or two samples just in case we want to come back with it later at a later date but i i appreciated the conversation i appreciated that major level of support i made them accessible to him and him alone right and i that was something like an experience that i i I never was like, oh, man, I hope that I have this experience with the customer. But when it did happen, it's like, wow, that's crazy. Like, this is somebody I don't know, never have met, and is a true supporter of the brand. And for us, we got to support them too, you know? Absolutely. I want to talk to you something about something else that we that kind of hurts a lot of our businesses as well. Uh-huh. We talk about this, and you kind of alluded to it with the kids. We might not, didn't have that money at the time. But right. You know, you shot them the hat or something. Yeah. The, the crown mm-hmm. is... You know, for a lot of us, we say, you know, black business doesn't mean cheap or free. Do you have those instances where people will try to lowball you in, in the sense of where, like, hey, man, can you, can you, can you, can you work this out with me? Right. I, I got this much. Can you, you know, shoot me, a, shoot me a crown? Yeah. Do you, ha- how, do you have those instances where they try to lowball, just try to get a discount? On, on uh, I mean, not necessarily like people that I know. Um. I've definitely had people like hit us in the DM like, "What's up with the discount?" Right? If we got a deal that's like on the table like already, I might send it to them. You know, depending mm-hmm. on how they approach us, right? Because for me, I'm like, if you get 10% off or 15% off, and then you now you're in the fold, like this your first order, like that's 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 my investment into introducing you to my brand, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I won't allow anybody to diminish the value of the brand. Mm-hmm. So I've had people that have said it in a different way, like, oh, man, this ain't worth whatever, right? And um, But it's not many, you know, and it's not even enough for me, like, me to really even... I would never even speak on that had you not asked the question because it's just irrelevant, you know? You're not my customer, you know? And so I... Thanks for saying. I don't know. Like, I don't... Sometimes I don't know how to respond, and sometimes I, I probably... People need to take away my phone because... Sometimes I'll respond like, I'm witty. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to be disrespectful. But I, I'll actually look at somebody's like page and then respond to something that is, I shouldn't do it, but I do it all the time. Right? But it, it's one of those things. <laughs> we, we talk about We say all the time, like, if, if, if people go to these any of these major corporations, we can't go in there and say, hey, man, this, I see it say it's $20, but can I get it for 10 Yeah. We If it's on the price tag, then we'll. We, um, I challenge you, though. I've done that, right? Yeah. I've done that in instances. So, so think about like, uh, um, it, now this is different. This is not the same as somebody just coming to Dungeon Fort who's never purchased anything from Dungeon Fort. You can't get it anywhere else and you just be like, give it to me for $25, right? Mm-hmm. Go home, bro. <laughs> like, right. get out of here. But I would say that there's always leverage in the potential for no- negotiation, especially for large purchases, right? Mm-hmm. So you can go to Best Buy and, and say, Okay, this TV is twelve hundred dollars. Like, I give you eleven, right? I give mm-hmm. I give you eleven hundred dollars, right? Their store managers, right, have the capability of saying yes or no, mm-hmm. and you never know what type of day they're having at this store, and they might just accept it. So, I w- I wouldn't say in in every instance like mm-hmm. you wouldn't do that, but I do use that as a reference because where people don't do that is where they charge the most for things, right? So 
people bargain on items that they that they're they they're not familiar with and maybe might be within a price range that is kind of close to what they would be okay with spending right so like our right now our, our most expensive crown is 65 dollars let's say somebody said i get 35 right we would never accept it but i also wouldn't feel like I wouldn't feel dissed, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm like, this just ain't the one for you, but it's a couple on the site that are within your price range, right? right? Like, you know, maybe in the future you might grab this at a later date, right? But you're not going to go into Louis Vuitton and say, okay, this messenger bag is $2,500, right? Let me get that for like $22, right? You're not going to say it. At least... At least people who perceive that mm-hmm. as something that's aspirational, right? The folks that don't see that as aspirational, that are, you know, they got billions of dollars, you know, or uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, and they go into the Louis Vuitton store. I guarantee you, they're saying, "All right, I'm gonna buy three bags, but you're gonna give them to me for this," right? Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, nine times out of ten, those people in the store, <clears throat> they have the power to do that. And I, I happen to know somebody that works for Versace and somebody that works for Gucci. And in those, in those spaces, they do have the capability. But nine times out of ten, if it's aspirational for you, you're not going to ask. And, and I guess in a sense, I was say, uh, kind of speaking from, like a, from a black-owned business aspect. Mm. Because I, I, don't My want, bad. I don't want people to, you know, kind of like you said, diminish our work. Like, yeah. Kind of happened, well, happened about a, maybe about a month ago when we took some pictures. And it, was my, it was my guy, Johnny. Uh-huh. Um, he, he does a lot of great work for Showtime Productions. Shout out to Johnny. Uh-huh. And what happened really was, you know, he uh, he took some pictures. We took some family pictures and everything. And I said, "Hey man, I appreciate you coming out because it was kind of like last minute." Like, yeah. Hey, man, how, mu- how much is how much is it for the family pictures and everything? So it was kind of like he he showed me he, he 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 didn't really tell me his prices. He just pulled them up on his phone on his website. He's like, "You can just pick any of these prices." Mm-hmm. And it was just like for individual pictures and. Headshots and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like I guess he didn't want to charge me the full price of what it cost for like actual mm-hmm. family pictures. Is this your boy though? Yeah, he, he's helped me in the past. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, really good people, man. We had yeah. him on for an interview and um and, and things like that. And then I just like you know for me, of course, you know doing these interviews, I, I don't mm-hmm. want to shortchange anybody. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he was gonna let me pay any of those prices on that chart. But yeah. I, I think family pictures may have been the most. Yeah. I was like, you know what, I man, I can't be up here just talking about, you know, support black businesses and yeah. these entrepreneurs and then diminishing somebody's work. I was like, man, I, I was like, man, I, I paid, I took family pictures, I'm going to pay the family picture price. Right. I'm not going to take family pictures and then pay, like, I took, like, headshots. Yeah. That wasn't right. Yeah. So, it, it, that's that's one of the things I was kind of, like, alluding to, like, far as, like, black-owned business. Yeah. Like, you don't want to diminish somebody's work because he took a lot of, a lot of pictures for us, a lot of great pictures. And um, I, I didn't want to be one of those people like, man, yeah. you did all this, man, like, but let me get it like half price. Like, you know, right. I, I made sure that I paid full price, you know, because he's investing his time, taking time away from what he could have been doing, you know, to help me out and do something for me. So I wanted, yeah. you know, I didn't want to shortchange him. I agree with that. Yeah. And and if you're worthy of, discount, of the discount, you're never going to have to ask for it, right? Mm-hmm. So like your peoples that do things, like I got homies that, you know, they, they know they, they hit me, you know, and I, I don't like... For people to, if somebody's watching, I know, please don't say, I'll cash up you. Like, I don't like that. Because we have a whole process on, on the back end where 
our inventory is managed and all that stuff. So anytime something's done outside of that process, we got to accommodate for that. However, there are people that have been rocking with me since the beginning, right? And they my my real friends, you know? And some of them I send stuff to as gifts. Like, right. and they don't have to ask, you know? And, and if they call me and they're like, they want something, they're not asking for a hookup. But I'm always going to show love because y'all been supporting me from the very, from the get-go, you know what I'm saying? And so I think there's a there's a difference between you know, somebody like just completely diminishing your work and and somebody who is in your periphery that you have a certain level of respect for, that you have a rapport with, that you like, I really, you know, this does cost me this much, but I, re I really want you to have it. You know what right. I'm saying? I really just want you to have it. And so give me whatever, whatever you think, you know? And I've done that before with a couple people that I, you know, I don't want to count their pockets, but I don't know where they at and I know where our price points are at. And I, and I said, you know what? It's like one of my one of my friends, when I bought my house, um, I came down, I asked him, I said, listen, me and my wife, we're going to save up for a house. I know y'all got an extra room. Would y'all mind if we just shacked up in there for a little while, pay y'all rent until we stack the money up to buy the house, right? And for us, this was like, what I, me and my wife, when we were thinking about doing this, I was like, this is wild to even ask this question, right? Because I... I'm not 100% certain if I would do it, right? Mm -hmm. If I would let somebody come in and be in my space for that period of time. And so I asked him and he did it, right? And so I remember he reached out to me like at the beginning of the pandemic. It was like, yo, masks are sold out everywhere. And so I happened to be ahead of the game on that by accident, right? Three years before the pandemic hit, I just made 3,000 masks randomly right because i went on a trip to china i saw people wearing masks out there and i was like you know what this might be a trend that hits the united states at one point i don't know right so i just made some i started a brand called blank face and pandemic hits right so i end up having the thing that everybody wants right and my, my boy who let me stay in his house right hits me he was like yo you got any more of those masks available i drove to his house and i put them in the mailbox you know because it's corona we couldn't interact or anything right. like that but it was like, you're not buying nothing from me. What are you talking about? Right. Like, that's not even, that's not questionable. But, but the people that are deserving of the hookup, they never going to have to ask for the hookup. Because mm -hmm. they know, it's like, man, you know you good. Don't even. Yeah, because the person know. on the other end is already going to be like, bro, you good. Absolutely. You know? Mm -hmm. If the person's not like that, it's, you know. Right. <laughs> right. Just a few more questions and then we'll yeah. be ready to wrap it up. Okay. Speaking of the pandemic, how did COVID impact the way you um, handled your business? Man, so, all right, so I quit my job September 2019. My last day was November 1st, 2019. November, I made my biggest order before I quit my job. That order was delivered, I think, around, like, November 15th, 2019. And on that same day, my main, one of my main manufacturers uh, hits me and they're like, yo, I don't know what's going on, but there's like this virus over here. At the time, there was like, if you looked at the news, it was like maybe 10 people with this, right. with this, with, with the coronavirus, right? Nobody was talking about this at all. Like it wasn't even relevant news in the United States. And they're, they're like, but a couple factories are closing. I'm not really sure what's going on. So now I'm hypersensitive to this thing and I'm hyper aware, but I don't know where it's at. And so when I saw it was announced that the epicenter was in Wuhan, I looked at, I had been to my manufacturer the previous May, so I know exactly where it's at on the map, right? 
And so I'm looking at Wuhan, and I'm looking at where they at, and I'm like, they're four hours away, right? And the, the quarantine for Wuhan was in layers. So it, it, Wuhan was just locked down. You couldn't get in, couldn't get out. But then there was, like, lockdowns at the train stations and lockdowns and all this other stuff. And so, like, when it happened, it happened quick. Like, it was, it cannot do anything, right? And so I lucked up because I had made my biggest order right before. So everything came in right before. But the other thing that I was lucky about was that I had those masks that had just been sitting at my house for a period of time. And so around February time frame, I took my last international trip. Um, I, I still haven't taken one since, right? With the St. Kitts, I remember coming back and the, uh, the, 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 not the gate agent, the um, customs agent saw me wearing a mask, right, when I came back. And me, I'm hypersensitive to it because I'm talking directly to somebody that's in it, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that there's flights coming back and forth from there already. So it's like, it's here, right? And I remember the dude telling me, he's like, man, why you got that dumb mask on, man? You crazy, right? So anyways, right after that, all shit hits the fan and everything shuts down. So I cut all my ads. I'm like, why am I going to be running ads right now when everybody's trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do with their life, right? People getting laid off, people's businesses getting shuttered, entrepreneurs don't know what to do to pay their to pay their people i'm like i feel like it's really irresponsible of me to be running these ads right now until i until we have an understanding of like if shit's going to settle down or not right so um i pull back and i notice a trend i'm like wait a second my volume is still the same right and at first that was like it was skewed by mass sales right because that's a new product whatever but i only had three thousand those were gone in two weeks, right? Mm. But it, it bumped up that, that month. But then after that, I'm looking at my sales, my sales trends as they trend on the same days of the previous month. And they're like equivalent, but I'm not running any ads. I'm like, what's going on? People at the crib and they just, boom. And so, um, so I pay attention the following month and I'm like, okay, this is, people are just becoming aware of the brand. So I said, you know what? All right. Everybody's supportive. I'm watching the news. People are like, part of their therapy is online shopping. You know, that was me too. Like, somebody needed to take my Amazon Prime away from me because <laughs> yeah. it, yeah. it was boxes coming to the crib. I didn't even know what they were. It was like mm-hmm. Christmas because I'm like, I don't know what I ordered, so let me open it. But our sales volume increased tremendously. So I started running ads, and then 2020 ended up being our best year to mm-hmm. date. But mind you, it was also my first year 100% focus on the business. And I quit right before a pandemic hit. So if there was any definition of back against the wall, that was that. Like, I got my family at the crib. No, I'm not on the ropes. Like, this is not happening. I'm taking this shit down. And so I was just figuring out any avenue that I could get my product in front of people so that they could, you know, be aware of it and hopefully potentially purchase it and that shit happen. And so I'm, I'm super grateful for it. Um, because I had no idea, you know, what was going to happen. And it was proof of concept because my career prior to that was in the medical space. If there was any point in time where they needed people to come back into the fold, it was then. And so upon my exit, there was already the invite to come back. So I'm like, you know, you got this voice in the back of your head, like, man, 
can you go? Nah, I didn't. And so my back was against the wall. I didn't want to do that for any any purpose. And it ended up working out, thankfully. What do you think it is? It's just, it seems like it's always something about, you know, just going all in on, yeah. on what you want to do. Even though, you know, like you said, that voice in the back of your head, right at, right at the beginning of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you, you stayed down with it and you see you just went all in. What do you think? It, what is it, you know? It's like, is it like clarity or what is it that you think it is that when you go all in on your, on your vision, on your, on your business, it's like it just, it's like it's almost like just by faith and just destiny that it's, it's mm. bound to happen. What do you, what do you think that is about just going all in and making everything pay off? Um, so it's multiple things, right? So you mentioned a word that's major for me, right? So I used to, I used to pray for things to happen, right? Um, back in the day. And now I just ask the universe for clarity. Right. That was like my main thing that I because that is directly in alignment with the most difficult thing I told you about, which is choosing what's the right thing to do in the right moment. Right. And so I always ask for clarity. That's it. That's why I go to the beach in the morning for clarity. Like it's pure silent. Nobody else out there. It's just me and music and the water splashing like to get prepared for my day. That's that's a major thing for me. And but the other thing, though, is like not wanting to regret not going hard you know what i'm saying not not being like imagine you get like there, i saw this meme one time where this dude is digging 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 and there's like a massive diamond right in front of him and he quits right and so he didn't did all this work and he was right there at the fulfillment and and he quit right for me it's just no quitting bro it's just there's just no quitting like i just and, and every little inch of success that you get makes you addicted to what is the potential. You know, like, mm -hmm. okay, I signed this deal with Nickelodeon, but who else? You know, you know, and no offense, but, <laughs> but, but seriously, like, that's, that's now new leverage, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we previously we had a deal with Airheads. We used that, right? And we signed a deal with, with Nickelodeon. What's, once we launched that product, now we're adjacent to a, a brand that's been around for I don't know how many years, right? Mm -hmm. Over 50. And so at that point, it, what's the next level? I won't say plateau because we're not, we ain't trying to stop. We're not taking breaks. We're going to keep going, mm -hmm. right? But what's the next milestone? And that's what keeps me going. I'm just curious about how far can this go? Right. Like now, is, and, and then you get, you end up having different, goals right so like initially it's like how can i create a legacy for my family right and then you get to a point where you're so big that you need help right so now you bring in people to help and it's like now i have i have you to i shouldn't say worry about because that's not i'm not i'm not worried right but now i want the same thing i want for me for you right and it's like that's a totally different goal. I never even knew I had that goal, right? And so now I'm like, okay, how can I build up this person to be the, the best that they can be? Whether or not it's somebody that stays with the brand, which I would hope, but, or not, right? It's your encounter with Dungeon Ford, I wanted to be a lifetime of, of influence, right? Mm -hmm. And positive influence. And so, but that's a totally different goal. And that's another thing that keeps me going because now if I falter and I give up, I don't, I don't let uh, some people down, you know what I mean? Not, not in a, in a sense of like, emo let them emotionally down, 
finance like now you're you're not making any money mm-hmm. that's i i just can't do it right, right. and it's just I, I just feel like once you know what you're capable of there's no going back once you realize like the level of greatness and potential in people there's no way that you won't try to expose them to it you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying it's like you, you like you say you just don't want to quit like like even it's with not the book, possible. like I, I wrote the book. Yeah. And like I said, as I said it before, like man, after I finished my book, I, I wrote down, I like I write down my goals and the things I want to, things I want to accomplish, places I want to travel to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote down how I want to finish my book and put it out. And then after we had the book signed and everything, you know, I kind of, you know, I kind of was kind of like stayed home for a few days and just relaxed. Yeah. And then after that, I was like, okay, what's next? Like, yeah. Now it's a tour. We yeah. Put together another tour. Yeah. Which road. that's lit too, man. Yeah. Yeah. So we just like we're going all in, and then something else that just happened the other day. Um, I think it was yesterday, the day before that, when we had one of our one of our former managers. He uh, down in Charleston now. He's mm. like, man. Um, he said, man, I love what y'all doing. Congratulations, and let me know when you when y'all make come down to Charleston and do interviews. He was like, we want to. I got some, me and some friends. We want to come and sit in on one of your interviews. Mm. Now for me, with our interviews. It's kind of like a close. And that's your like manager. This. That's your ex-manager. Yeah, it's like a one-on-one interview. We we never had anything where it's like a live audience or whatever. Yeah. So now in my mind, they put it in my mind. Man, we never done this. Let's but try to, let's, let's, let's another challenge. Let's let's yeah. try to put together something where we can finally have a lot of audience and people will sit in. So mm. that's, that's something like now that I'm embracing because at first, like I never really thought about you know, man, we're gonna have like a live audience. So it's yeah. kind of just been like these closed environments like yeah. this. But now for me it's kind of like embracing that next is like okay we we're on tour what else, like you said like what's next what else can we do yeah so now it's like we're gonna figure out a way to you know get get that uh a live audience in there so they can watch one of our interviews because I, I mean that's crazy I, I love stuff like that's great but pause on that for a second man this is your this is your manager that you work for right mm-hmm. and you've inspired your manager so much that they just want to be around your energy right that's crazy it is. Right? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that and that's what it is to, like, start to, to find your greatness, bro. Right. Because you're doing something that's not comfortable. You know, you're that's doing true. something that's not, like, the typical path. Not it's the not, there's no formula, right? I mean, maybe now people have done podcasts or whatnot, and you could try to follow in their footsteps, but your subject matter is always going to be different. Mm-hmm. That's your differentiator. That's, like, the the thing that reels people in within the demographic that follows your show and because of that your manager is inspired your ex-manager is inspired like imagine how many other people and that that to me when when he said that yes i was like wow man it's like of course you always see see people like you never know who's watching anything but it's like man like you said like i really didn't think about it till just now when you said it actually just imagine your, your your former manager seeing what you're doing and he is inspiring yeah and i appreciate that because now he's telling other people 100 and now, and now they're tuning in and, like, and he he probably feels like he's might be a part of your story a little bit yeah yeah you know what i'm saying so in which he is in in any in some way whether it be negative or positive but the fact that he would even connect other people into what you're doing it just tells you a lot about the path that you're taking and and how righteous it is because People don't just jump on any train. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They they like to jump on trains that they know where they're going to. You know, like I, I'm not I'm not just gonna go to the airport and just go to a gate that don't say nothing on it and just hop on the flight. I want to know where I'm going. And so, when people think about where a business is going, they think about success, right? They think about supporting people with the gumption 
to get to a point of success, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about where you at right now. It's it's a hundred percent about them seeing like, oh, he gonna figure this out. Mm-hmm. Like, I I know that he gonna figure this out. Hey y'all, come check this out. Like, look at what's already been done. Right. And I and I always I never paint the picture like I got everything figured. Out. I always tell yeah. people, you know, I don't have all the answers. Yeah. But I'm, I'm still going. Like, yeah. You just, just got to keep going, man. And you gonna figure out different things you can do along the way. Mm-hmm. But it's like you just have to be determined, and it's. A lot of times, it's, honestly, it hurts, man. Like, I, I have emails where, where people, like, decline things, say, no, this is not yeah. the time, or they won't respond at all. Yeah. And that stuff, I mean, like you say, it, you, I never had it anyway, so, okay, yeah. it is what it is. But, you know, it does, you know, it, it kind of, I think that's a lot of, a, a big reason why a lot of people don't go after what they want because. They don't like rejection. Rejection. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's part of it, man. It's mm-hmm. part of the process. Like, yeah. I remember one of the people I listened to, Bob Proctor, one of the things he said um, in a, on another interview he did was like a key to you know for entrepreneurs entrepreneurship. He said just get used to rejection. Mm-hmm. He said it's all part of it's it. It's a part, like, yeah. It, it happens, man. So, so when I when people ask me about it, I mean, just get started, just work, man, just grind. And if somebody says no, it's gonna be somebody else that says so, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. But you just gotta be willing, you know, to have, step out on faith and, and, and bet on yourself, man. Mm-hmm. And that's to me. That's really one of the best things, the best feeling, man. And like, without us doing this, creating this platform, we might not be in Miami, I mean, Fort Lauderdale, you know, mm-hmm. doing this interview today, man. Mm-hmm. And hit listening to a lot of these gems that you're dropping, man. But yeah, you just got to bet on yourself and just just go after. It. Nah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I think you mentioned one thing. Just now, I wanted to respond to you. He was talking about I, I don't know all the answers, and I w- I would advise anybody to stay away from somebody that has all the answers. Like, and, and rock with people that have all the questions. Mm-hmm. Because you need to, in order for you to be successful, you got to ma- maintain your curiosity, right? And that's one of the things that I try to, like, instill in my daughter and try to cultivate in my daughter is her curiosity. Like, anytime she's exploring something, if she makes a mistake or whatnot, I, I try to make sure that I don't, I don't make her feel like she's in trouble because right. I know that she was exploring, right? And I want to maintain that within her because the more you explore, the more you learn, the more you figure out who you are. And so anytime somebody knows everything, it inhibits them from growing. But if you, if you around like curious people, if you're around like question askers, right? That's, that's where you're going to find the the most growth because they're going to ask you a question that you didn't contemplate. And you're like, damn, now I got to formulate an answer for this. And I didn't even think about it. You know, what would you say is the best advice that you received so far on your journey? Oh man, keep going. Keep going. That's it. Um man, like so I I have a couple people that I reach out to here and there um for advice on specific projects. Like uh TJ Walker, he's uh one of the founders of Cross Colors. I don't know if you're familiar no. with the brand. So Cross Colors was a major brand in the nineties. When were you born? Ninety two. Ninety two. Okay, yeah, that's why you don't know. <laughs> that's why you don't know. But I, I was born eighty four. And so Cross Colors was like a major brand in the nineties. I'm talking about like black owned brand, hundreds of millions of dollars, right? And um broad distribution everywhere. And I, I ended up connecting with uh T J in LA um during the pandemic. And we had a one on one quick conversation. Um, in his in his uh, showroom uh, in in the design district in LA, and I remember at, after we left after we left, um, we walked down and uh, I was getting ready to cross the street. He was walking in a different direction. I shake his hand, 
and he was like, he looked at me and he said, you gotta keep going. And he's like, you're a teacher, right? And when, it, when he said, you're a teacher, I didn't really con quite comprehend it until I had people that were working for the brand. And it was just like, this is the moment where this is what you were talking about, right? And so that, I've, I've, the keep going I've heard, you know, over and like several times, but that moment like stuck with me. Like I, even telling you the story, I know, I know what I had on, you know what I'm saying? I, I know I had a mask that said higher power on it. I know I had on the mag safari hat. Like, I know exactly what I had on it. I know I had my backpack on. I know I was right across the street. And I, I remember looking at his face. And I remember when we walked in the building, uh, Celine Bimbury, who used to design for Versace, was walking in as well. I didn't meet him, but I just remember this. Like, because that's how much that impacted me. Like, that statement that he had. So, I think that's it. When you look back, is it a particular goal that you that you look back on and that you set that you're just like, man, I I really accomplished that. It's like this is something I it was a goal I had in the past, but now I, I finished it. It's like it really wasn't that bad. Like I, it really wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. Do you have mm. one of those goals that you look back, man? I really accomplished that. Man, um, there's several of them, but I got to train myself a little bit more to like lift my head up and look around and see where we at because. You know, I, I'm in the thick of it, you know? And so mm -hmm. I still consider us to be a really small business. I consider us to not be doing everything that we can do, you know, and, and getting more efficient, identifying like our processes and all of that stuff on paper so that when it's time for the next person to do it, that they, they have a document to, to guide them. Because when I brought in people, like I definitely didn't have that. Um, so yeah, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's difficult to answer that question. My, my final two questions. Um, if, you, if you had to lay out a, a blueprint for somebody and say, hey, Castro, I want to start my own business. Um, I may not have the capital or whatever, but I, I just want to start my own business and finally invest in myself. What would you say was like a blueprint to you know, starting a business and creating an opportunity for anybody, just in business in general? I would say find a way to test your product out and to test the market out with the least investment possible, right? So like, go, like, make sure you get out there. But like, let's say you're developing a brand and you're at the very beginning, like maybe invest in some samples and just start to gather like, you know, information from the people that are around you to see if it's even something that they would rock with, right? right. Rather than going to the gusto at the very beginning and, in, and taking all of your resources and your capital and putting it into putting all your eggs in one basket right away, I would say do that. And because you take that approach, you don't have to wait to do it. You get what I'm yeah. saying? Also, I think a lot of people are always afraid to, to uh, tell their ideas because they think somebody might take them. Uh, this is going to sound crazy, but like most ideas aren't good, right? they get developed as you talk about them. Just don't talk about them to people that can act on it in that moment, right? So like I wouldn't ever, if I'm talking to an Adidas designer, right? I'm not about to be like, oh, no, look at what we got coming right, out right. In, tw in 2022. But if I'm talking to, you know, my friend group, I will do that, right? Because if, one, you don't have any interest in doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. 
And two, if you try to do it, the barrier of entry is so high, it'll take you a minute, right? Mm -hmm. So you, by the time you can do it, I'm already, I'm already, I've already done that and I'm on, on to the next, you know what I'm saying? Um, that, that's what I would say. And then the, the one other piece of advice, and I already said it in this, is just start, man. Just go. Do it. Like, stop making excuses and do it. Absolutely. And then my, my final question as we get ready to wrap it up, this is the 2021 edition um, you know, of the Cross Line Pocket and Self-Investment Tour. Mm -hmm. um, it's the final question that we love to ask all entrepreneurs and everybody okay. that comes on. What does self-investment mean to you? Mm. Self-investment. So for me specifically, it's really taking time to center myself. Like, as an entrepreneur, you pour out to other people all day, every day, right? Um, and one of the things that I realized is, like, to be able to pour out, you have to replenish. You have to refill. And as an entrepreneur, it's oftentimes, like, you, you may get that from a mentor, but you're the head of the business, right? So you're not going to get that from inside the business. And so that's what that is for me. And I know, I know probably people might answer that and reference finances and reference money. Um, but I, I think, I don't think that you can get to wealth without health. And so I think you invest in your health, um, and your fitness and your, 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 uh, your mentality. And I think that's, that's the biggest form of self-investment for me specifically. Perfect answer, like you say, everybody's gonna have their own spin too. Yeah. But we love to ask everybody that, man. But I, it says it's about investing in yourself, believing in yourself. Yeah. Like, understand, like as an entrepreneur, it's I think it's the toughest journey. Like it's tougher than a nine to five. Like you said, there's no actually no blueprint oh, yeah. to it, no structure. Nah. You just gotta go out and you have to do all the work. Mm -hmm. You gotta be willing to take some of those tough days on the chin and, and just keep on going. Right. So, Castro, I really appreciate you for taking the time, man. This has been nah, great. I appreciate it, man. We've been enjoying our time down here in Fort Lauderdale. Before we get out of here, um, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, so uh, you can find us on Instagram, at Dungeon Forward, um, on our website, www.dungeonforward.com, and um, on any other social media, it's all Dungeon Forward. So it's pretty simple. Absolutely. And if you guys love the crown, make sure you go get you one. Yeah. Um, Everybody, just go get a crown. Support the business. Support the movement. We, we appreciate really love and appreciate what you guys are doing. So hopefully everyone enjoyed this episode. Until next time, keep chasing your dreams. This is the Cross the Line Podcast. Thank you for listening.